From the virtual newsroom in Levittown, Bucks County, this is The Pod Couple. I'm J.D. Mullane, columnist for the Bucks County Courier-Times. Phil John Picaro is away today. Our headline, should Pennsylvania governors have emergency powers indefinitely? Off-year elections rarely have big issues that go to the core of democracy, but this year's does. On May 18th, Pennsylvania voters will decide to strip Governor Wolf of his emergency powers that he invoked constitutionally when the COVID-19 pandemic struck more than a year ago. Uh, His move essentially cut off the elected legislature's ability to have any say in pandemic policy, from what businesses could remain open to lockdowns to masking mandates. It's a topic fraught with emotion and politics. Uh, And if you're a progressive, you probably support the status quo. Uh, If you're not, you probably want things like limited seating and mandatory masking to go away before Labor Day. Our guest today is Republican Senator Bob Mensch, who uh, represents the 24th Senatorial District, uh, which includes parts of uh, Upper Buck County and Montgomery County. He favors changing the state constitution, limiting the governor's power to control commerce and even our individual lives to just 21 days. He's written several opinion pieces saying so, Senator Mensch, thanks for being here. And let me begin by asking, uh, why do you oppose uh, keeping things as they are? Well, we've had a um, 14 months, almost 15 months of uh, lockdown, uh, indeterminate um, continuing of extensions of the emergency order by the governor uh, with no checks and balances from the people. The people's representatives are we, the legislature, We've had no conversation with the governor whatsoever. Um, the governor is very unilateral, very arbitrary in his behavior and has continued to impose 90 day upon 90 day upon 90 day uh, extensions for the, the shutdown. The, um, I hear from, you know, I was listening to your, your opening commentary. I'd, I'd suggest there are people across the entire political spectrum that are in favor of limiting somehow the governor's powers. I don't think everybody agrees should be a constitutional amendment, but it seems to be the only tool that we have because of the way uh, legislation works and and his uh, robust use of the uh, veto pen over the last year. We haven't been able to get anything really effectively done because he's vetoed 19 bills, uh, major bills, bills that affected people's lives, uh, affected commerce, affected uh, restaurants and so forth. So um, the, the constitutional amendment seems to be the uh, remaining option. And so we have uh, decided to pursue two separate uh, constitutional amendments and asking the voters for yes vote on both. You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, there was a lot of unknowns. Um, and I think Republicans and Democrats uh, were unified in the governor invoking these emergency powers. But that honeymoon ended. When did it end for you and why? I think it ended, well, you know, exactly when I'm not going to, I can't hazard a guess. I'd say it was around the 91st day uh, when, when the first order was, uh, or the first renewal of the order was issued. Um, it, it wasn't necessarily the, the renewal of the order per se. It was that he did it without consultation with the legislature. He did it without consultation for the citizens of Pennsylvania. Now, we heard from some people, well, he's saving my life. Uh, those people really just were comfortable not doing anything, and they were hiding from COVID. 
I don't think the governor saved anybody's life, to be honest with you. I think a summertime lifeguard saves more lives than the governor did. But um, he, he began to impose his personal will, his personal subjectivity on 12 and a half million people in the state of Pennsylvania. And that's wrong. That's not how our constitution is framed. That's not how representative government works. And so that's uh, when I began to sour on the governor's power. You have uh, written at least one uh, op-ed piece that I read in which you say that the Wolf administration has deliberately made the wording on, say, ballot question number one uh, confusing. Uh, tell, tell me why that is. What, uh, what's confusing about it? And why do you think it was deliberate? Um, <clears throat> there, there's a historic perspective to this, to uh, the... Um, the abuse window amendment, which was supposed to go on to the ballot for May 18th, uh, was purposely, or not purposely, but was bollocked by the Secretary of State, uh, then Secretary Bachvar. Um, she offered her resignation, and Wolf kept her around for another week and a half to write the questions. The questions are slanted in such a way that the, if you read the questions, and this often happens, and the, by the way, the the sole responsibility today for writing the question is with the Secretary of State. Um, the, this, the question is, is written, both questions are written in such a way that if you read them, you, you can leave there believing that a yes vote is a bad vote and a no vote is the right vote. And when you say a bad vote, I, I mean, I, I'm looking at your, your piece and you, you, you cite sure. the wording in the, in the ballot question number one. Um, and it says uh, this will thereby remove the existing check and balance uh, that the state has. Yes. It, it, it almost it makes it seem like that uh, it's, it's un what's happening is, is undemocratic in, in allowing uh, the state legislature, which you're elected by 12 million, uh, elected and represent 12 million uh, Pennsylvanians, to have some say in whether they want to live under mask and lockdown mandates. I guess that's what you're saying, correct, Senator? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. The, the question, and you, you point out a, a good point, the, the question says that uh, we will lose checks and balances if you vote yes, but or at least it infers that. But the reality is, just as you have suggested, a yes vote will put checks and balances into place. The legislature will have to be consulted by the governor. We're taking it from 90 days to 21 days, first of all, now, some people think that the legislature can't behave adequately in 21 days. I think we can. Um, and, and there will probably be additional, if, if these, if the first question is to pass, there will be additional legislation that will more specifically define the process by which the legislature and the governor will interact on this. But yes, we can, uh, we can appropriately behave or act in 21 days to be able to agree or not agree to renew the uh, emergency declaration, but at least the people will now have a voice through their elected representatives to the governor. You know, to me, it seems reasonable to give the governor, you know, this kind of power under emergencies. Uh, this was a natural disaster, no different than, say, if a tornado or a hurricane or earthquake struck and, and uh, lives were in danger and, and things had to be moved, you know, the normal way we do things in the state, which can move at a glacial pace, yeah. uh, have, have to be sped up. Uh, 21 days doesn't seem like a lot. The second ballot question specifically says that, that, you know, it limits 
the governor's power to 21 days and uh, then has to consult with the state legislature if he's going to get another 90-day extension, correct? Another 21-day extension. Another 21 days, okay. It would only be 21 days, yes. All right, so shortening that window to, to, to three weeks. Well, um, so if uh, ballot question one and ballot question two, let me ask you this. Uh, on both of those, a yes vote means what? It means that the citizens through their, if I understand your question correctly, the citizens through their rep elected representatives will now have a voice in the process for uh, opening schools, opening restaurants, opening businesses, uh, business waivers, um, the distribution of, of vaccines. Um, you know that that has been constrained because the governor has had this this hold on on the process to the point where the legislature or no one else can consult to to the Department of Health. So because it is directly responsible to the governor. So that is a governor's department. Uh, we, we need this uh, added flexibility, if you will, for the people of Pennsylvania. And, you know, you've, you've raised another point. The, uh, the law that the governor is currently using was written in 1957 with an eye towards snowstorms and hurricanes. A pandemic was never imagined. I mean, the, the, the framers of that, that law, had they seen a pandemic of, of 14 months, I'm sure they would not have given unending um, power to the governor for 90-day um, extensions. I don't think they thought anything would extend beyond 90 days. It was a snowstorm. It was a flood. It was a hurricane. So um, I, I think that uh, if nothing else, the, that legislation needs to be updated. And the only way we're going to get it done with this governor is with constitutional uh, amendment. So uh, that's the route we've got to take. So if the uh, if the voters agree to remove Governor Wolf's emergency powers uh, through the ballot, um, what happens on May 19th? Well, the existing power is still in place. He just uh, renewed it, what, uh, less than 30 days ago. So it would have that period to, to run through. At that time, hopefully we have... Uh, done the um, uh, continuing legislation that would be necessary for how we would actually affect the 21 days. And, and then we'd go to the 21 days with the legislature and he cooperating. And it needs to be noted too, it's, it's not only about Governor Wolf. This is about any governor. No governor, Democrat, Republican, Independent, I don't care who or she, he or she is, they shouldn't have this kind of a power. The, the, the people in the state of Pennsylvania, along with their, their elected officials, need to have some say in the process. So this would be in place permanently for any future situation, any future pandemic or other um, uh, disaster that we would need a, a declaration of emergency for. You know, there's a, there's a tremendous controversy over the decision by the Wolf administration to place recovering COVID patients into nursing homes where most of the virus deaths in the state occurred. And uh, there is some dispute as to who spread the illness uh, to the people in those nursing homes, recovering patients or staff. I'm not sure it really matters. Uh, but if uh, Governor Wolf and uh, Health Secretary Rachel Levine at that time hadn't had all of this power, how would that policy have been different? I guess what I'm asking is, would that have happened if uh, the state legislature uh, had had a say in, in that policy? 
I think that it would have been important for the governor, had I been the governor, I would have consulted with medical experts beyond my secretary of health. Um, secretary Levine is a bright lady uh, in her particular field. She has no logistics and distribution background. Uh, I would have brought in people that had the appropriate backgrounds um, so that we could begin to understand um, what was happening in the spread of the disease, what we needed to do for vaccine distribution, what we needed to do for the distribution of PPE. That was a big issue early in the in the pandemic uh, because uh, it was so confused. You know, I'm told I've seen pictures I haven't physically seen uh, or touched, but uh, there are 24,000 pallets of PPE stored in the Pennsylvania farm um, um, arena. Why? Why are we sitting on all this PPE when we need it now? We needed it six months ago. Why are we sitting on it? it that was, you know, what I'm, what I'm speaking to is that the governor, I think, acted too unilaterally, too arbitrarily, didn't have the right consultation, didn't consult with business people or other medical professionals that could have given better guidance on how to um, uh, mitigate the spread. We knew, I mean, it's logical. If you're going to take um, COVID-infected patients out of a hospital, move them into a much more crowded communal setting, it should be logical that they're going to spread, contribute to the spreading of the disease. If in fact that's what happened, we we do know, as you pointed out, eighty some percent of the deaths in Pennsylvania from COVID are attributable to uh, long term care facilities. Yeah, that, that is a sin. That's a shame that we caused that kind of a, a problem for those. Families. Well, Bob, let me ask you this, and and this is as an aside. You know, uh, Secretary Levine's expertise was not in any of the top you know, health issues afflicting Pennsylvanians. I think the number one cause of death of Pennsylvanians is heart disease. Yes. Um, would it make sense uh, for the state legislature to, when they approve a uh, health secretary, that that health secretary has expertise and say, at least the top, you know, killer of Pennsylvanians so that policy can be shaped in a way that's more effective? Uh, J.D., you and I could talk about that for a while. You're, you're singing my song. I've argued that in the legislature. Okay. There are others in the legislature. Thanks, right? Uh, there, there are others that say, well, there, it's the governor's pick. It's not for us to narrowly define that pick. Right. If we can find uh, that that's an acceptable pick, then we vote for that, uh, that selection. I think, it, you know, we're talking about all the secretaries. And there's, uh, what, 20-some departments and agencies. Um we're, most of them are Fortune 50 size companies. I think we have to be much more selective, much more careful in our process for approving uh, secretaries. Their their budget, their span of control, obviously their the impact they might have on 12 and a half million people, it's extraordinary. And I don't think we should take it as lightly as we do. What do you think the biggest mistakes Governor Wolf and his administration made as a result of having all of this power uh, under his emergency power mandate? Um, regardless of, of how much power it was, I, I think the, the single biggest mistake he made was um, not understanding how to manage the health aspects and the economic aspects in some joint fashion. Uh, to him, it was either health or economics. And 
As a consequence, the economics of this state of Pennsylvania have, have suffered dramatically over the last 14 months. We have, you know, we were just coming out of finally uh, fixing a $5 billion deficit in our budget, uh, uh, an operating uh, deficit. Now we have three and a half, four billion dollar deficit again, um, because businesses have been working, tax receipts aren't there, and it's not just the state. You know, if it was just the state, I, you know, you, we just tighten the belt. But in 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 any state government, there are so many downstream organizations that are reliant upon the, the revenues from the state of Pennsylvania. We have 500 school districts that need money. We have 67 counties. We have 3,200 municipalities in this state. We have uh, transportation and so forth and so on. There, there's so many subtending police departments, sewer systems, uh, water systems. There's so many subtending systems to the Pennsylvania budget. So when we have a deficit of a couple of billion dollars, everybody in this state is going to suffer because of that deficit. So the single biggest problem that he are uh, uh, that he created, in my opinion, was managing the economy too parochially, not managing it in the same fashion going forward as as we did with the uh, uh, the disease, uh, the health aspects of the uh, management. Yeah, I, I, I drive around Lower Bucks County and uh, over the last, you know, nine, 10 months. And, you know, I see the little strip shopping centers where there was a, uh, you know, a dry cleaners, dry cleaners were hit hard. Pizza mm -hmm. shop hit hard, yep. you know, out of business. I saw a cigar shop, you know, a guy, <clears throat> put his whole life savings into it over here in Langhorn. And it, it, there's just a sign on the door. It says closed permanently. Yep. So, you know, there were a lot of, uh, there was a lot of mismanagement, I think, uh, but I don't know that we could have foreseen that uh, a year ago, given the unknowns. Now uh, your democratic colleagues and Democrats across the state say no change is needed uh, to emergency powers. Um, that uh, it will, it, it, if these initiatives are approved, um, it will hamstring future governors uh, from quickly addressing another statewide crisis. Are they right? Can you see that as a scenario? No, I don't think that's right at all. The, the governor will still have the, the first uh, declaration to declare. Uh, so let's say that this, this is now behind us. And in two years from now, we have another situation where he, the then governor has the, uh, the potential to declare a declaration. They can do it without the legislature. It's on the 21st day to renew that. He needs to work with, or she needs to work with the legislature at that time to renew the, uh, the um, declaration. So I, I don't think it hamstrings the governor whatsoever. And if the governor is effective in his communication and in, you know, we, we don't have a very transparent government. If, if we had a transparent governor and he wanted to talk to the legislature, he could have seeded his thoughts with us. He could have gone to the leaders. He could have shared what, what's happening. He could have positioned the need for the renewals. That's, that's how a good manager approaches a business problem. Uh, but we didn't have any of that. But that's that's where the future governors will have to um, be. They'll have to come to the table. They'll have to talk to the legislative leaders. Yeah. And they'll have to have a concurrence. And that's isn't it the way democracy is supposed to work? I think it is. Yeah, it is. But, you know, at home, I have unilateral powers to, uh, you know, read the sure. act and get things done. You know, do your chores, you know, uh, that sort of thing. And and that's permanent. So I'm just thinking that maybe Democrats feel the same way under a, a certain set of emergency, you know, uh, circumstances. 
I'd argue that we have to look at the Constitution and understand what the Constitution says. I was in business for 35 years. I was management for 35 years. I had some absolute powers. They weren't absolute, but you have much more discretion. Uh, you, you, you need to be arbitrary or unilateral sometimes in, in management. But not when you're dealing with 12 and a half million people and you're affecting their day-to-day lives the way you are. Um, now, you need to be transparent. You need to be uh, much more mutually uh, conversational. You have your ear to the ground, uh, certainly in your district, but out in Harrisburg, uh, what's your prediction how these uh, ballot questions go on Tuesday? Um, It's anybody's guess. Um, As you said, it is um, a mid-election. It's it's a primary. Um, So it's going to be a guess of what is the turnout. Uh, And typically um, mid-year, Elections don't have as great a turnout, so I'm I'm, I'm concerned. Um, this could fail, and if it does, then we continue this way, and the governor will probably feel more empowered. Uh, gee, the people supported them, rather than uh, rationalizing it and understanding that people just didn't come out to vote. Uh, we we have we still have a, a lot of uh, people angry about the last election. I, I don't know what's going to happen with their attitudes to come out. And vote. But I think it's extremely important. Anybody listening to this podcast, you know, if you agree with me or you don't, get out and vote. But we, we need people to uh, assume that uh, the constitutional responsibility they have. They're empowered with such power with their vote. They should go out and vote. Yeah. Senator Bob Mensch, thank you very much for coming on the pod couple. That's all we have for now. Join us each week the podcast and get our podcast wherever fine podcasts are posted. Read our columns and great local content on our websites. Better yet, why not subscribe? It's $7.99 a month and you're supporting great local journalism instead of hitting that paywall all the time. So for all of us here in the newsroom, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, especially thanks for reading.